The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. It's got to the short side. Oh, it's Before, but I'm the referee on this team, not you. Hi, Rob. Zeeb's here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. Oh, and Ringrose comes through. Oh, that is brilliant from Ringrose. Ringrose is going here. What a score! You're welcome to the Hard Yards. I'm Andy Nagidi. It's another big week for Irish rugby. Following the Twickenham heroics, we face into another weekend of Champions Cup action and the small matter of Toulon and Saracens coming to town. No biggie. Um, to discuss the week's action, I have Mr. Pat McCarry in studio. Hey, how's it going? And a little later on, we'll be speaking with the rugby pod, Jim Hamilton, as well as All Blacks legend, Conrad Smith. But first, we are joined on the line by Munster and Ireland fly half, Mr. Ian Keatley. How are you? Hi, Andy. How's things? Things are pretty good. Um, big few weeks for you. How's it been around Ireland camp? Yeah, it's been great. Obviously, um Obviously, we went down and won the Grand Slam, and uh, it, was, it was unbelievable to be over there and tricking them to experience uh, everything. Obviously, would have loved to play the, play the, uh, more of a bigger part in it, but um, I, I kind of understood, understood what my role was quite early on in the Six Nations, um, and I kind of I, I would be a backup, but uh, I kind of took that challenge um, on and uh, kept trying to improve my skills, and also tried to. Um, prepare the lads fully for the games that are coming up so kind of doing analysis on the opposition and, and during the week trying to run all their plays against them and hopefully try to play my part that way So are you trying to copy George Ford or Owen Farrell? Uh, we actually we, we kind of thought that George Ford uh, would have started um, in the build up so uh, I was trying to copy him um, trying to and, and even trying to do a few like Finn Russell's type Finn Russell is kind of he's kind of known for the no no look pass. So we were kind of even doing a few of them in training, which is uh, which is good fun to do. So the, the England the England team's names suddenly you've to go back to the mirror and say right, <laughs> I need to get a bit more balshy And but, but seriously, like, does that mean that the training session changes up completely when you have to play another role to copy a different player? Um, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like, you, if you start trying to. Emulate England completely. You'll you'll fall out of structure, and and the attack won't be good enough for the for the defending team. So, you try and keep it as close to Ireland attack as possible. But we bring in a few strike plays that England would do, and try and uh, copy them. And and like they use Mario Toje and um, and kind of all their key players on like hit uh, like hit lines. We kind of we kind of emphasize uh, a few key a key attack. That a key trends that they've done in previous games. So that's what we kind of tried to do. Um, the kind of reserves kind of tried to emulate the, the England's attack, just just to try and show a similar picture that the lads will be facing on the weekend. And we saw what was it? Um, you know, maybe what happened with Jamie? He's up there last year, pulling out late, and 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 we even saw some of the pictures from that captain's run of Johnny getting the the back stretch. I think it was the the glute injury he had as well. Was there a couple of times that you maybe thought, do you say I actually could be in here? Like, did Joe have any kind of conversations with you that like? Just in case you might be in tomorrow, or you might be in in the next few hours. Yeah, I think when you when you first go in on a Sunday and a Monday evening, uh, it's a clean slate, and Joe kind of puts up his uh, strike plays, and uh, like you have to learn them as if as if you are starting on the weekend, uh, because uh, yeah, as you know, like there's there's actually been a few occasions that lads have just been 
put straight in there. So you need to know your stuff. So yeah, that's when you first go into camp, you need to, to nail off your own stuff first. Um, make sure you've got your own. Um, make sure that you've got your own bits and bobs done, and then you have to go off and and try and emulate the opposition as close as possible, just to just to give the lads as good as tack uh, possible, so they can work on their defence and. Um, so that's that's kind of the main focus of the week when when I feel I go in. The uh, so moving on to next weekend, right? Uh, there's a lovely headline in one of this week's weekend's papers. I think it was the Sunday Indo. Um, yeah. So Keatley steers kids to victory. Old man Ian, how does that make you feel? Yeah, I know. Uh, someone else said that on to me, and uh, it was actually my mom said it on to me, and she's like, uh, a week before your thirty first birthday, and I was like. Mom, would you stop? Uh, yeah, so I, I think I am becoming becoming an old one in the group, and she's like, on, it wasn't long ago where, when I was a young guy coming up. So um, it, it is, it's it's good. Um, I think we we had good conversation because we knew the backline last week. We there's a lot of combinations that hadn't played together, um, so we kind of just tried to all get on the same page, and we tried to not complicate things, and we all just said that we're just going to work together make sure we had our connections right and uh, I think it wasn't looking pretty for the first 10 minutes in that game but we worked we worked so hard together we said it wasn't going to be perfect but uh, we got the result in the end and against a very good Scarlet's team so it was a good good win on the weekend Yeah it looked as if um, it looked as if you were on bonus point track there didn't quite happen Yeah it did yeah uh, I think uh, I think if one, one of the I think if James Cronin's try had been given, I think we had we had pretty good momentum. And even after that wasn't given, they got the penalty. They they kicked to the kicked to the sideline, then they mauled us around twenty meters, and then they're pretty close to scoring, and we held them out. So if, if they had a scored there, the game could have been completely completely different again. Um, so it, that's that's rugby for you. Those momentum shifts are are crucial in those games and those key decisions. Like I, I know Marius. Uh, made decision and that's completely the rest call it's, it's pretty it's a tough tough place to be in um, but that's why you have the TMO the TMO should be helping them out and uh, maybe they're looking back at it again going maybe it was just a, a reach out and a try but listen um, they've, they've got a lot of pressure on them and uh, like they're going to make mistakes so you just have to get on with it and I'm, I'm pretty proud of the, the way the lads just uh, bounced back and we, we still got the win the, um, so you referred to I mean the number of players out at the moment is not great uh, Keith Earls is now out for the next I think six weeks um, yeah. Simon Zebo Andy Conway 50-50 for the weekend Chris Farrell's obviously out already uh, how is Rory Scannell and Tommy O'Donnell getting on now? Uh, I think Rory Rory's alright uh, I think Tommy's Tommy's shoulder doesn't look good he was in a lot of pain after the game and but he got a scan I think he got a scan yesterday uh, and I, I haven't seen him yet but um, yeah I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if he um, more than likely probably will be out but I'm not sure I wouldn't like to say but that's why that's what you build a squad for like that's why that's why you've got so many players in so many positions like Yako Yako Tauto was has been out and Chris steps in and then uh, Chris gets injured and then you have Sammy Arnold who's playing the rugby of his life and like that's that's the whole thing about building the squad you, um, oh, sorry Ian I was just saying that you 
Sorry, you know, I was just saying, um, yeah, that, that is like the, a lot of those kind of young lads have kind of stepped up, haven't they? Like the likes of uh, Sam and, and Jack O'Donoghue and, and even Stephen Fitzgerald threw a great pass there for Alex's try. It, it's good to kind of see some of those young lads stepping up, isn't it? Yeah, it is, because like obviously I usually chat to the young lads and just try to give them uh, my experience about things. And I'm just saying like, lads, it's going to take, uh, you'll, you'll get your chance, but it, it might it might come out of the blue and you just need a little bit of luck whether that's through an injury or someone uh, playing uh, not not playing as, as good as they can be but you just have to be ready and and, and that's the big thing at rugby your opportunities can come completely out of the blue just just like Chris Farrell in the Six Nations um, Robbie Henshaw got injured Chris Farrell steps up and gets man of the match and all of a sudden he's He's, he's more of a household name than what he was before before that Welsh match and unfortunately he got injured but he's still he's put himself in the radar there and that's what the lads are starting to do on the weekend yes Stevie threw a great pass uh, I think it might have been slightly forward but I think I think uh, I think he deserved that because he's been training so hard and he hasn't got his opportunities and uh, Sammy as well he's just he's been dying for an opportunity you know talking to him last year he was he was he's just climbing on the walls looking for an opportunity and then when he when he got it he, he just took it and there's a few other lads like that who are who are still in the academy and even Jack Stafford on the weekend I know he didn't get long but he's been training hard and he got his opportunity and uh, with injuries to Duncan Williams like um, if there's another injury there like he's he's in a European Cup squad so they, that's, a, that's how opportunities come around you just need to be ready Listen, before we let you go, uh, last time we had you on, um, Raj was here and you were expecting your child. And he yeah. he said you could expect a lot less sleep. Um, how's fatherhood treating you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, I think when you, even though it's nights where you don't get enough sleep and um, you kind of wake up in the morning, you're changing a nappy and you just get a big gummy smile looking back at you, 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 you kind of forget about the night's sleep or the lack of sleep that you didn't get. So uh, it's uh, it's completely different. I've got a lot more respect for, for my parents now than, than I ever have. And just that the, even the help that they, they're still giving. But uh, fatherhood, is, it's, it's unbelievable. It's, uh, it, it, it really has changed my life and uh, it's, it's so exciting. And she's six months already, so... Uh, it's gone quick since the last time I've been talking to you. So uh, it's crazy, uh, but it's it's all good, and uh, I'm, I'm loving every moment. Good stuff. Well, you can forgive them, forgive uh, mammies and daddies for sending you like you know funny headlines as well. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Here, Ian, listen, we'll let you go. Thanks very much. Cheers, Ian. Yeah, cheers, Andy. Um, yeah, Pat, old man Keatley, sounding pretty <laughs> relaxed, isn't he? Yeah, it is funny. I remember talking to Andrew Trimble before when he just after he had turned thirty, and he said people start trying to retire you at that stage as well. It's uh, it's funny enough, isn't it? But it's um, it must have been a strange one for him in there, you know, because like, he he having probably the season of his life, but then didn't get that kind of chance with Ireland. But then he's back and he has to step up because there's no time to mess around here. Like the big games coming up, so. Um, hopefully he finishes the season how he started it because cause he is in great form and you know you easily see him you know included in that tour to Australia as well this summer yeah so no um, well Toulon 49 nil against Claremont the weekend just, just as a little warm up <laughs> it's the 49 nil. I see Chris Ashton's got 21 tries for the season as well over equal, in France equal the record yeah it's un- unbelievable isn't it yeah um, so they rested Nanu they said okay we'll play Fekutoa instead <laughs> and he got a couple I think as well yeah 
No, it's savage. Um, Clermont are in trouble just to, to they're playing a quarter final against Racing. That's not a great warm up for them. Mm. But Toulon travelling to Thomond is no easy task. No, no. Um no, it's gonna be very tough for them. And I know, yeah, Munster have a lot of injuries. Um you know, they'll they'll be looking to patch a few guys up and there might be guys not playing at a hundred percent, but um they'll probably need as as Ian mentioned, some of those young guys to actually step up or might a few of them might just be on the bench or something like that and they'll they'll be needed in the last fifteen, twenty minutes. This'll mm. be a very, very tight one I'd say now. It's a shame Earls is gone now as well. And and the lads from Dubai yeah. Get them back in fast. <laughs> Get the lads back. Yeah, I saw that. Um, there was a funny one. I think Rory Best even put up a message saying thanks for the trip over. Yeah. And James Haskell sent him a message back saying, I bloody played today or something. Like it just shows you that. I think we'll ask Jim about that, will we? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> last big Jim. Uh, we get him in. Right, Jim Hamilton, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. Very good. Yeah. The, um, what have Rory Best, Connor Murray, Keith Earls, Peter Mahoney, and Rob Kearney got in common that James Haskell does not have in common? <laughs> Do you know the answer to that, Jim? I don't, is it something to do that they're on holiday and James Haskell is as well? I don't know. No, J- J- James Haskell is definitely not on holiday, was he, he Pat? He was no, back playing not. for Wasps, all right. Yeah, back get flog, getting himself flogged at the weekend. Yeah. yeah. It's not great. Anyway, um, Jim, are you feeling okay? Because uh, the last word here is that you got filled in by Devon Toner. Oh, is, it, is that the room that's yeah. down there, is it? Yeah. Well, the last time I remember when we played against each other, we ended up on his back. So <laughs> um, I don't know whether that was from me carrying the ball over him or it might have been a shot in the tackle. I can't remember. But, um, but that's just my abiding memories of me playing against Devon. Yeah, that would be, um, for anyone who doesn't listen to the rugby pod, and if you do, if you don't, you should, that is somewhat of a running theme. So glad to bring <laughs> it, it is, in. Yeah. Cross pod joke. <laughs> Uh, exactly. No, it's a lot, a lot, a lot of tongue in cheek on our podcast, and hopefully we don't take it too seriously. But that is a serious comment that I'm sure that I did run over when, <laughs> when we played against each other on many occasions. Yeah, Jim, as we were talking there, actually about the, the those Irish lads having a big blowout there, it, it's kind of something that the Saris were famous for. Um, you know, they probably still do it, but back when you were playing as well, it's um, those kind of things are good to kind of let the hair down, aren't they? And just completely, you know, let let rip for a few days after kind of you've all battled together so hard for a few weeks. Yeah, of course. You know, it's a big part of, of life. I think is is being able to enjoy being with your friends and being with your work colleagues. And yeah, Saris would you know have. I don't know whether they are as big on as it as it now, especially with how the schedule has been this season. But in terms of yeah, letting your head down, and we, you know, we've seen pictures on social media of the guys in Dubai and rightly so you know this Irish team did an unbelievable thing in winning the Grand Slam and you need to have that downtime you need to be able to enjoy what you've done and enjoy your successes and sometimes in season it is difficult you know, but that bonding part of it you know, it's not all about going out on the lash and getting absolutely smashed but it's about spending time I suppose without wearing your rugby boots and wearing a pair of flip-flops and you know, enjoying a little bit of sun and there is a massive part about team bonding and the Saracens when I was there we were massive on that because ultimately when you're in that relaxed environment you know, maybe if you, you've had a drink or if you've had 10 or 15 then you're a lot more comfortable to be able to speak to each other and maybe someone that you haven't spoke to maybe you know, if you're in the front row the whole time and, and there's a guy at fullback playing and you never get to see in a game it might be time for you to, you know, to connect and, and, and that relationship that you, you make off the field might become important one day on the field in, in a critical moment so it's great to see the Irish guys enjoying it rightly so they, they won the Grand Slam and slightly different for the Premiership guys there are a couple of guys that have been away like Mako's been Mako has been away on holiday this week but the majority of the English team are back with their clubs this week and you know it's a tough ask it's tough going on them but ultimately politically or 
um, the rules or whatever you like, or the fact that the, the guys, the star players, are contracted by their clubs, is that they're that they're owned by by the teams and they're owned by the franchises, and ultimately there's a lot to play for in the Premiership top six. Um, you know, we still saw that with Harlequin trying to get in there at the weekend, and ultimately top four, uh, the backbone of that England team who play at Saracens and a couple of the Wasps guys, etc., trying to get into that top four and top two. So yeah, that's something I think Mario Tojo was having a little poke at at the weekend with a try celebration, Jim. Um, it was a hell of a, hell of a try for a tired man. Exactly, yeah, it was a hell of a, a hell of a try. But look, it's you know now I'm on the other side of the fence, and you you have to be more judgmental, and you you look at rugby in a different way that it is easy to judge. And ultimately, that's what we do as pundits. That's what we do in the media, and that's what we do as fans. Like you, you, you look at it on face value. You know, has Maro Toji been at the levels that he was last year, and for the British Lions? No, he hasn't. Uh, does he look tired? Well, he's either tired or he's not been playing it to his level. So people use the tiredness as an excuse, and it's quite easily to do that. But you can also see why. You know, you only have to look at the numbers of games that he's played compared to opposite numbers, for example. And, you know, I'm not going to start throwing stats around, but the one that we know that, you know, Farrell played double three times the amount of minutes than Sexton has lead, leading up to that, to that game at Twickenham. So I, I, I believe in looking at it that the guys are fired. I think at the weekend, you know, Mara's got that quality and he's got that power. Um, against a lesser opposition, you know, there wasn't Ireland or France who were playing. They were playing Harlequin, who were a, a, an OK team. Uh, but I think for him personally, you know, to be able to score a try, which looked more like the Mario Toji that we associate him with, was nice. And I quite like the fact that, you know, that he's showing a little bit of character and, and stuff like that, because he is a big name in, in the world of rugby now. But, you know, is Mario Toji tired? Well, potentially. Um, I, I suppose we'll see in the running. I, I suppose we'll see come this weekend and become the, the business end of the season for Saracens. But he's a quality player I've got a lot of respect for. He's a young lad. He's, he's had a lot to deal with. And it was great to see him back on form at the weekend against Harlequins. Yeah, there's a lot of people looking forward to this game now this weekend when the quarterfinal draw became set. Uh, Lanster versus Saracens jumped off for everybody. Uh, and it, it's just taken a while to get here. When we when the draw was originally made, you know, Saracens weren't looking great. They they scraped in. Leinster had had blitzed their pool. Are we perhaps more of an equal footing now? There's been a Six Nations in between. Oh, definitely, I think if you look at it on face on face value, and you look at it on form. Leinster are firm favourites, and you don't say that lightly because obviously Saracens we won the Champions Cup back to back last year in Edinburgh, the year before in Leon against Racing Metro, and. You look at it though, like you said, Leinster have absolutely blitzed um, the Pro 14. Uh, they, they blitzed their pool, uh, and they, Ireland uh, blitzed the Six Nations. So you look at it in terms of, oh, I should mention as well that the game's also in Dublin. Um, so in, in terms of that, it looks prime for Leinster. But you know what you can't forget is the Saracens, and I put we in this bracket because I was obviously involved for the last uh, three seasons. Where it was that? There were tough times in that. Um, you know, we went through blitz where we lost three or four in the bounce. I think the worrying thing for me for Saracens this year was that game against Claremont at home, where Saracens just got absolutely destroyed in all facets of the game. And yes, they bounced back the week after to, uh, in Claremont, but still lost that game. But yeah, their form hasn't been great. You know, they've limped through obviously to these stages. It, it was all taken out of Saracens' hands, which I don't know when the last time that happened to a team that won the Champions Cup final, but. Saracens, when Saracens play well and when they put a Saracens performance, 
they can beat anyone on their day and we've seen that and that's what Leinster will understand and what, that's what they'll know and you've also got to remember that the backbone of the Saracens teams in terms of Maka Bonapola, Jamie George, Atoji, Cruz, you put Wigglesworth now in that because he played in that Ireland game but Farrell being the main person who there's question marks over whether he's going to be fit or not I imagine he will be but if he's not then that's a big loss but the backbone of that Saracens team are going to be hurting from that game in Dublin watching you know you saw the players watching Ireland win that Grand Slam and beating England at Twickenham that everyone thought was going to be the Grand Slam decider and they would have felt embarrassed so I'm sure from that day from that England-Ireland game a lot of them players would have been watching what Ireland did uh, and they'll be looking for payback and there's no bigger opportunity or bigger stage for these superstar players at Saracens to make a statement than in the quarter-final against Leinster who are the form team in the championship um, and, and you couldn't put it past Saracens winning I mean it's like you said when the draw came out you, you were rubbing your hands because I can't remember another quarter-final that's going to be as, as big as this uh, in recent years so Game of the weekend, certainly. Um, and for me, I think the team that wins are going to be favourites to, to go on and win the, win the Champions Cup. Yeah, it was quite the reward for Leinster. Blitz in the pool, I mean. Imagine, Leo, they're looking at the like, right quarter final. Uh, who are we going to get? You, well, you've worked this hard, you've done that well, you're going to get Saracens. <laughs> yeah, easy, soft eight seed, no bother. Um, are you going to the game? I am, actually, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going out. Um, I'm doing some stuff with Rugby Pass, who I work for, my employee, doing some uh, media stuff out there before in the lead-up, and then doing an event with uh, Luke Fitzgerald the night before, foot in both camps, which we both have. So that should be good. I'm looking forward to that. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to the game. And, you know, I, now being retired, I very rarely look forward to games. It's kind of like sometimes you just go, you watch them. and uh, But this is a game that I'm really, really looking forward to seeing because I've got a huge amount of respect for Leinster. You know, Leo Cullen was a great mentor to me when I was at Leicester when we were young lads. I had, he had the biggest influence on my career in terms of being able to manage a line-out and run a line-out and have that leadership part of my game that a lot of people like yourself over in Ireland might have been questioning because leadership wasn't at the forefront of my abilities as we saw but um, Leo was, was a huge influence on me so I've got a massive respect and I love the way that Leinster play and so yeah I'm looking forward to coming back over to Dublin it's like my second home at the minute <laughs> and I'm almost, almost welcomed uh, with open arms have you um, any Leo stories that stand out from the, the early Leinster, or Leicester days? Um, was he a man for keep, uh, keeping you under his wing on a night out? Oh, he was. Yeah, he enjoyed a quiet pint, did Leo? <laughs> yeah, he wasn't. He, he wasn't uh, up to the standards of our looseness. But yeah, we called him the polar bear. I don't know why. I don't know why they called him the polar bear. But um, yeah, he scared a few of the kids. That's all I remember. So we, sometimes we have to keep Leo locked up when all the kids are about because he used to scare them um, just by looking at them. I think. But uh, he, he, yeah, he had massive respect. You know, we played in the eras of, of Martin Johnson and Ben Kay and Lewis Deacon in that position and I think if you ask anyone from that kind of time that Leo was a huge influence you know similar to myself not the most talented player but, but what he offered in terms of leadership and culture was massive and you can see that across the board at Leinster now what he's brought and, and the, you know the quality of coaches that he's brought in with Lancaster and just the way that quietly they go about their work you know their work uh, it might be different in Dublin but in the you know, not many people speak about Leinster like they do Clermont or they speak about the Paris teams or Toulon. Um, 
etc etc so I think that they've gone about their work quietly and, and they're primed for this game at the weekend and Jim you mentioned something a little bit earlier there saying uh, you know being on the other side of the fence now is this, is this something you've kind of experienced maybe you might have slagged someone or criticised someone on the pod or something like that or on TV and you've had you know a former player or a teammate come up and say what the, what the hell are you talking about or you got a bit of grief from somebody after saying something um, a little bit like you do get a little bit of that uh, interestingly enough and I'm not joking so I had a missed call off Sergio Parise last night and it was like in the terror hour with the kids so between kind of like well the terror two hours between five and seven <laughs> when they're due to go to bed and it's bath time and it's carnage and he's ringing me I'm like why Sergio ringing me and I was thinking on the podcast last week we had Castro Giovanni on the phone and we were talking about maybe Sergio Parise being too old maybe as a gesture moving up to the second row just to get him through to the World Cup and we said this on the podcast I'm good mates with Sergio or so I thought and then he's ringing me last night so I t- and I said no I can't talk I'm in terror hour and I text and he, and he said no it's okay he said I, I didn't mean to ring you but like and I said well I didn't know whether it was about you moving up to the second row and he just said Jimbo I'll play wherever so I was worried that, uh, because we'd opened Sergio up that he was ringing me for uh, to give me a bit of abuse in his um, one of one of five languages that you can speak but yeah there, there are sometimes is a worry when you do that but I think that if you actually listen to it you know I've been in a little bit of trouble in the podcast you know with some comments made about Vern Cotter and it made front page news in Scotland and when that happened it wasn't a case of like great we made the, the front pages of the newspaper you know it was a case of what was said on the podcast was written in transcript and when you read something that's said in the podcast in the way that we do it and there's effing and then there's blinding and you know, there's the way that we speak. It reads very differently to how it sounds. Um, and that's where the, I've, had a, I've had a bit of disappointment where you've been quoted when you're telling kind of stories that are, you know, that are blown up a little bit. Um, it can be frustrating, but, you know, you, you live by the sword, you die by the sword, don't you? And, and we're there to enjoy what we're doing, but also make people laugh and give people an insight, and it's been quite well received. So Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Jim, because when you get people on, you, you, wanted, you want them to talk freely, as in a natural conversation, and we don't think about things being written down afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Well, saying that, sorry, uh, just before I go, so we had Jacob Stockdale on a couple of weeks ago before the... Scotland game so the Ireland-Scotland game obviously Scotland off the back of that big win against England and Stockdale came on and being a 21 year old lad you think that you're going to get a one word answer he's going to be very closed book but I was actually so surprised and really impressed with how open he was he came on there he said you know talked about his ambitions talked about the team's ambitions and the fact that they'd spoken about the Grand Slam and the fact that in the lead up to that Scotland week it's his downtime you know it's a 10 minute conversation like we're having now that he was happy to come on there and speak um, and I think that the modern age of rugby players we're not seeing that but I was really impressed with, with, with when Stockdale came on and how candid he was about his ambitions and the team's ambitions and hopefully you know we can see more of that and you know, in in you know the UK and Ireland, we are used to kind of closed books and and people being a bit a little, little bit cagey around the media. So to have a player of his standing, obviously, you know the, the tries that he scored, and I think he's one player of the the Six Nations, and rightly so, to come on and speak about so openly about their ambitions is great. So I'm sure they'll I beat that out of him before long. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even joking. <laughs> Um, exactly. Yeah, no, it is great. I, I, like we're all in favour. Get people in, have a chat, and you know, trust us. We're not going to, you know, completely burn you. It's part of the relationship. But you know, people get minded as well. I get that. 
Right, yeah. Mr. Jim, uh, you're in the let in. Tickets are available. Uh, all proceeds to the IRFU Charitable Trust this Friday. I've got that right, yeah? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Good man. All right, listen, um, good luck, Saracens, but more luck, Leinster. <laughs> Talk to you soon, Jim. Uh, no, we're looking forward to it. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, big Jim in good form there. Yeah, he is, wasn't he? Yeah, I was actually, I missed getting a little word in there. Just asked him for Jacob Stockdale's number now, but I might have to send him a text afterwards <laughs> and see if I can get it. Oh, Jim says you're lovely. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah so we haven't actually talked really about how we think the games will go. Mm. Okay? We normally nail other people on this, <laughs> so it's only fair. So Munster, Toulon, um, I, Munster have played 10 quarterfinals at home, won nine. Oh, Ulster is the only one they didn't win. Yeah, yeah. So I, I have a little funny feeling that Toulon are going to win. Yeah, you're well, like it's it's those injuries for Munster aren't going to help at all now, are they? They no. like they just need as many experienced heads as they can get, and they might be a little bit short, um, short there. Like, and then it's even getting everybody in together. Like it's the first run out you're going to have. Like they might have one serious go at it maybe you know early in the week before the game but it's going to be weird you know different combinations coming back in so um, it wouldn't be a bad one I'll go for, I'll go Munster in that one but um, yeah that's and that 49 nil. it's kind of just a kind of slap in the face there as well kind of getting themselves ready for this weekend unreal result yeah um, then on, on Leinster's side Leinster were not good in Wales it was not a good result in Ospreys at all. No, they've had a, a, a poor. Like I know the six ages is over, but that's probably still part of the window because you have the lads who have to get rested, you know, because they're on central contracts and stuff. But um, yeah, it, it's you know defeats to it was in Edinburgh the Ospreys as well. Like they've they've slipped up a little bit there, and mm. the only thing good for them is that Scarlets were kind of slipping up as well. But um, they get everybody back in. There was that, that funny one of uh, James Ryan and Dan Levy being in the gym the morning after the celebrations at the Six Nations and young lads. They disgust you straight back at it. Yeah, they probably probably had as many pints as, as everybody else, but just can brush it off so easily. Like I'm saying, Leinster. Yeah, confident. Yeah, like, as, as 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 even Jim was saying, you probably would have been more confident a few weeks back, but you always get a little bit kind of nervous when you get there. But um, yeah, it is, is that break is important. Like it's a huge gap between yeah. that last round of games and this quarterfinal time. You're almost talking, yeah, like the guts of three months, like yeah. you know, like two and a half months, and um, anybody, anything can happen. Any injuries could happen. Guys could get fit again. Um, but you know, I'd be confident enough in Leinster doing the job there. I know they've slipped up, but I'd be, I'd be confident. Connacht to beat Gloucester. Yeah, <laughs> not as confident about that one. Um, I suppose home advantage may, may, might swing it for them, and they'll have a few, you know, guys back as well that the likes of maybe. This could be the season. Yeah, this yeah. is it. I mean, they've had a dreadful run in the league. Mm. Uh, actually, we should talk about that now before we go. So, the Pro Fourteen Champions Cup playoff position, right? Never mind qualifying. Yeah. So you have to remember everyone you have to take cheetahs out of the mix here they cannot qualify for the yeah. Champions Cup which is happy for a lot of people yeah. <laughs> Ulster 46 points with a game in hand or Treviso who are on 45 points against Ospreys who are currently 35 points with a game in hand or Connacht and Ospreys play Connacht yeah. in a couple of weeks it's, it's, that's a huge game yeah that, that, that's, that's, that could be it and I suppose you know there are there's a kind of People are kind of thinking that maybe Connick's best route into the Champions Cup might be winning the Challenge Cup. That's, it, that's it. it, including our very own producer who's very firm on this point. He's like, sod the Pro 14. Come on, <laughs> Challenge Cup. Burn it all. He'll be there this weekend. Yeah. Fingers firmly crossed. Nods from producer Al here. Um, yeah, so, but they'd, they'd be away in the semis if either way. So if they like take care of business, that's, yeah. that's all you can do. Play Gloucester at home. 
beat him. Um, I think I think they've got it in them. Yeah, that's yeah. gut feeling only. I think they've got it in them, and the semi final is going to be the, the the season defining game. Yeah, yeah, and a couple of good um, signings they've announced recently mm. as well. Like so, but they need to finish on a high then to kind of you know make that count next season. They do. Okay, we will leave it there, Ulster. We're not talking about you yet. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, um, we'll be chatting next with All Blacks legend Conrad Smith. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe. Welcome back to The Hard Yards. On next, I have somebody with eight Tri-Nations stroke rugby championship titles, two World Cups, Lions Test Series win in 2005, most capped Canes player of all time, along with Man Anu, Conrad Smith. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for the introduction. Yeah, hello. You're welcome. Well, you know. It's uh, you're, I'm going to call you a great, and I'm happy about that. <laughs> I've been playing a long time. <laughs> the uh, yeah, so you're you're over in Poe now. Am I pronouncing that correctly? By the way, I always look at it and go Poe. Yeah, po. It is Poe. Yeah, po. that's yeah. A, that's good because uh, I've got a lot of slaggings for my French pronunciation at times. Um, how, what's it like? You've got a few. You got a few Irish lads over there. We do. We uh, well, Simon Mannix is the head coach here and he uh, came from a stint at Munster so he sort of brought a few a few within the management and uh, four or five of the players so we've uh, kept a pretty nice um, Irish saver to the team as well as a few Kiwis that uh, like myself and a few others that Simon um, has convinced to come over and yeah no, it's, been, it's been good Have you enjoyed the French experience? Yeah I've loved it I've um, I be honest, you know, I moved with my wife and um, for the, you know, just to live here, to live in Europe, um, it was something we always wanted to do. Uh, but the rugby's, you know, sort of exceeded expectations of anything and, um, you know, I've ended up playing probably a season longer than I ever thought I would and, um, yeah, I'm re- really enjoying the, the, the club and the, even the, the rugby itself. So, yeah, it's been a nice little um, two and a half years that we've had here. Yeah, Conrad, you, you were saying there that um, Simon kind of convinced you over. Was there ever, did you ever have a, an Irish province kind of be interested in maybe tempting you over here to Ireland to play for a season or two? <laughs> um, to be honest, you know, like I'm not sort of the person to, you know, shop around. I, I was, I never looked overseas while I was playing in New Zealand. And then, um, you know, when I knew, I, you know, I was, I was sort of going to finish with the All Blacks, um, I'd sort of, my time was was up in New Zealand. I didn't want to play anymore, and um, like I said before, I just wanted to live in France. I sort of answered, asked the agent if there was anyone, you know, with a New Zealand coach because I wanted to trust someone that you know I could go over and, and not be expected to play every game and sort of uh, learn the language and, and sort of do a little bit of coaching maybe. And you know, he, he came. I didn't even realise Simon was working over there, and then. Once that came up, you know, I, I didn't look any further. It wasn't about trying to find an extra dollar or anything. It was uh, that was what we wanted to do. It wasn't about um, anything else. So I never sort of gave anyone the chance to to, to offer, and um, you know, so that's how it all worked out. Yeah, it's pretty good. You, if you're Conrad Smith, you say to the agent, "I want to play in France." He goes, "I can make that happen." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, I, I didn't say I gave him the. You know, conditions that I thought he'd never. Fly. I said I wanted a, a small place. I didn't want to live in a big city. And um, in France or Italy, I said, you know, I wanted to speak. My wife was the same. We wanted to learn a language, and and I wanted a coach that I, at least I knew, like preferably a New Zealander. And he came back within a week with the club. So 
uh, I, I actually thought I wasn't going to find anywhere and I'd just have to move over and pick apples. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so, you mean, the rugby has gone pretty well. Uh, power moving up the scene a bit. Are you, like, you're happy with your playing? Are you think you're playing the right amount? Are you doing a bit of coaching as well to help him along? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, um, I'm doing a little, nothing formal, you know, we've talked about that and I was happy just to keep playing. I've, uh, you know, they look after me pretty well and, um, you know, to be honest, I'm, I'm playing, you know, I'd, I'd say the same standard I was back in New Zealand. I'm, um, you know, I'm, I've stayed healthy. I've sort of had one little injury layoff last year, you know, which I suppose you expect every few years um, with, with rugby. But, um, other, yeah, other than that, I've, looked after myself well and, and played some good footy and uh, you know it's hard calling an end to it because you know next year I'd, I'd probably back myself if I wanted to do the same you know the body's in, in good nick but I, I don't know I find it's, um, it's you got to call it quits at some stage and um, and, and I have um, done a little bit of coaching with them already and, and I'm keen to do a little bit more uh, next year without the playing side so you know that, that's the plan and um, hopefully it works out. And will that be in France, or are you going to move home? Yeah, no, no, no. Yes, yeah, so I'll stay, stay, stay where we are. Um, you know, like, like I say, the, the club's been really good. Of, uh, you know, I think it's got a bright future. You know, there's the the structure of the club here. You know, in France, it's it's it differs a lot between between each club. But I, I think they've got a, um, a really good setup here. And um, yeah, I, I'd like to stay here while the family loves living in France um, we've got a couple of kids and they're enjoying the, the school and we enjoy seeing them speaking two languages better than we can so uh, yeah it's a, it's a good experience so we don't want it to end um, just because just I finished playing So you talked about you know moving into doing some coaching but you're also qualified lawyer correct? Correct many moons ago but yeah back in New Zealand that was my first um, gig before rugby took over and is that something you're gonna pursue? Yeah, I, I've, I've um, you know, it, it's not something that's easy to get straight back into. But I, I'd love to, you know, um, use something with the both of them. I, I don't want to completely forget. You know, I've studied for a long time, and I still sort of have an interest in it. Um, and that's where you know some of the opportunities around um, the players' association have, have cropped up. I did a little bit of work. Um, well, quite a bit back in you know I was in New Zealand, and since being over here, I've I've done a little um, for the international uh, players, and yeah, and that's something I'm you know looking to carry on as well. Yeah, so the International Players Association they they've moved from Auckland their headquarters now to Dublin. So will we see you over here with a nice pinstripe suit <laughs> on? Will we? <laughs> Um, possibly, although my last attempt to get over to Dublin from Poe, it, it's not straightforward. It took me about three days of travel for about three hours <laughs> on the ground in Dublin. <laughs> not not helped by uh, French airstrikes and things like that. So, you know, it's... Uh, but, yeah, it, it's definitely um, something that may happen a, a bit more often, um, you know, with the base here in Dublin and, uh, yeah, and, and living here in Poe. You know, I'll get up there a little bit, but... Uh, the wonders of modern technology I can sort of work do most of it from uh, where I am and Conrad I was just looking back at just I think 94 caps for the All Blacks but played Ireland a good few times and played in Crow Park in 2008 I was wondering is there any kind of memories to stand out from kind of playing the Irish and a couple of maybe a toughest player you ever came across uh, yeah for sure 
obviously um, you know played Brian O'Driscoll uh, most of those those games yeah. and um, you know he he was you know when I started he was someone I looked up to and someone I've you know had a lot of respect for even when I was playing him um, and you know and, and then when you mentioned you know, Croke Park that was probably a highlight um, and and to be honest yeah all, all the games against the Irish were pretty special we didn't um, tend to play them as much as say the Welsh and the the English we seem to play them in every India tour um, the Irish not so much so and, and I think that helps because they were always pretty special and um, obviously uh, you know they had quality teams and a quality battle every every time we ran out against them so yeah, it's a lot, a lot of fond memories of those those games here we how is centre play? How has centre play changed over the years, Conrad? Because like the, we see a different shape of centre coming into the game now. In you've you've been around a while. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if um, the, I, I just think it's one of those positions that you know there's no set way. I, I think you more. Um, I, I think you need a balance in your backline, and and you can find that balance in different ways, and um, and maybe for a while there. Were, People were, you know, coaches or whoever were selecting a lot of strong ball carriers um, in those positions, and then just expecting the nine ten to sort of do all the distribution and the, you know, the tactics, and and then you know maybe that's changed, and now you know now you see nines that are running a lot more, and, and even tens that you know are required to take on the line, and, and so then you can have a midfielder or both that can distribute. I, I don't think. And that's what I love about rugby. You know, you can say this about every position. Um, there's no set way. You, you sort of, and for me, coming when I was playing younger against a lot of bigger guys, I, I knew I couldn't play that sort of game, so I just stuck to doing things a little bit differently. And if you're good enough, then a team will accommodate for you. And um, I, I think that's what we're seeing with rugby. It's just constantly evolving, and, and there's no set way now. You know, in a few years' time, they'll be they'll be looking for different attributes to, to each position. So where did the snaky nickname come from? <laughs> it's not as I don't know. We're it was a cricket coach that gave it to me. To be honest, and uh, everyone has their own opinions, which aren't very flattering. I tell you, <laughs> when I first met my wife, it wasn't a nickname that I wanted to bandy around. But, um, it was, to be honest, it was a cricket coach who I, I showed a lot of energy in the field and was uh, stopping the ball a lot, and he called me a, like looked like a snake in the outfield. So. But yeah, it's stuck in the sense. Nice one. Um, here, Conrad, I was going to ask you there, what is it? Um, like, you played so many games with Nanu, like, that'd be the famous partnership. And I think it was a great picture of you guys. You were in the Pow jersey, he was in the Toulon jersey, I think, earlier this season. But what was it kind of like playing alongside someone like him? Was it almost a kind of, uh, you don't even have to say words to each other, you just know each other's game so well? Yeah, and I think, you know, getting asked about that a lot and it was something it did develop you know it was uh, we, we started out you know probably in competition for the, for the same spot and um, you know we had Tana with us in the, in the Hurricane side so you know I think he ended up on the wing which he was never happy about and um, you know it, we just had a, a lot of time together and, and I suppose it wasn't until we were starting regularly um, with the All Blacks that sort of the coaches talked to us about building the relationship and you know giving a bit more thought to it and a bit more chat off the field and you know once we did that I, I think that's when we started um, you know helping each other's games a lot a lot more and, and I suppose with with the years both with the Hurricanes and the All Blacks then it sort of got to the point 
what you were talking about where we just knew each other so well that we could pick up signs and even you know if we were struggling or when we were doing well and and what the other one needed from from each other and and that that's what um you know I think towards the end that's where it got to and it was something we were working on right till the end and uh you know I think it helped us but it was yeah it, it took a lot of work and did you was it I don't know if you saw you were watching much of the, the Six Nations but um, I suppose what you make of Ireland and the guys who kind of were playing at centre for them someone like Ringrose stepping up in the last couple of games yeah and, and he was you know someone I was really impressed with and but yeah there, there's a lot of midfielders um, <clears throat> I'm going to forget the, the young the Scottish boy as well that was um, pretty impressive and obviously seeing um, Bundy Aki playing guy I played a couple of times in New Zealand before he uh, went over. It's um, yeah, you know, it's cool. I, I was impressed with the the standard of play, um, you know, from all the teams, but particularly Ireland. They uh, you know, they did they did simple things really well, and you know, that's all you need to do to win rugby games. And uh, you know, they're doing they're doing it really well. And like I say, it was, it was good to watch. Uh, so think way back, way back to when you were playing with Bundy. Uh, is it the yeah. same player now that you're seeing playing for Ireland, winning a Grand Slam? there's the same sort of things that he, he did really well great you know with ball into contact um, getting arms free to, to offload and um, you know but he's obviously developed as, as everyone does you know he's played a lot he's um, developed things to his game And but you know when he was in New Zealand he, he was highly regarded he's, he's not a player I think you know you talk about some that weren't weren't picked and they, so they like Hadley Parks for example mm-hmm. um, you know he, he was struggling to get a super team and but you know you see how good he's gone since he's gone to Wales but Bundy um, w- was someone highly regarded but you know he, he made his decision to leave and yeah, it's worked out well for him as well I saw he actually was teaching some of the Irish guys a little hacker at the end of that uh, that game in Twickenham <laughs> good on him good on him <laughs> yeah. right Conrad Smith thank you very much for joining us on the Hard Yards no problem the Hard Yards brought to you by Sports Joe you're welcome back to the Hard Yards we're going to take a look at some of your questions that you've sent in on social media remember to follow us on Twitter at @thyrugby and use the hashtag AskTHY if you want to get in a question for next week ok first one from Jarlath this is good <laughs> what do you think of Jeremy Guscott's assertion that Ireland have no world class, class players he did qualify this but it's it's mad well, is his qualification that they wouldn't get into a world 15 is that, that they it? had to be the, the number one choice as in without any debate whatsoever sorry I'm paraphrasing yeah yeah um, at all so Aaron Smith exists yeah therefore Connor Murray is not world class that's the logic yeah no no, it's no, a, no, no. Twisted logic, isn't it? Like, so, yeah, that's so like if there's, there's any, I think most people would agree though that like Conor Murray would be better than Aaron Smith as well, or he would edge him. Or even if you don't, yeah. I mean, if you're picking a 23, right, to take on any team in the world right now, and you have unlimited funds and a magic wand, it's Conor Murray and Aaron Smith as your two halfbacks. Yeah, done. Yeah. Tig Furlong, you know, like yeah, there's, there's exactly. a few. Like there's, there's um, Johnny. Yeah, Johnny. When he's fit again, Sean O'Brien, I think, is a world-class player as well. Like, and hold on, we've anointed Dan Levy. 
Oh, it's too late. <laughs> <laughs> Levy, get ahead of him. Well, yeah. Listen, let's start Levy then and have Sean O'Brien on the bench. But yeah, we're, we, I, I'm. I think. Well, yeah, I disagree with the assertion, even with the qualification. That would be my position. Yeah, yeah, there was there was one. I was. I think I was maybe like a lot of other people last week. I was just listening to as much you know any rugby pod that was out there to kind of keep up the buzz of the Grand Slam as well and I was listening to the Mirrors one the Mall and uh, one of their guys was saying Ireland aren't a world class team as well and you're like well what are you talking about here like what does that mean yeah like how can you not be a world class team like you've beaten the world champions like you know you've went away to South Africa you've won there as well you've, you've beaten all the Southern Hemisphere so, teams so the one that usually gets rolled out right is that they won in Chicago when the All Blacks were on a jolly and it's a quote unquote exhibition game yeah fine okay They've still gone to Twickenham. They've won the Grand Slam. They've played brilliantly. As in, they cruised yeah. to, through a Grand Slam winning game. Yeah. And that second half, someone came up to me in the week and said, God, it was really disappointing. I was like, what do you mean? So the second half was just like, I mean, it was done. I was going, yeah, it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get used to this. This is how New Zealand feel all the time. Mm. You know, and second in the world. Yeah. Second in the world on merits. It's not a trick of the rankings. Ireland are playing that well. Yeah, not world class. I know, stupid, stupid stuff. Like. But let's be world class and properly at the pointy end of things in Japan in 2019. Yes, right? that's, that is a big one. Yeah, okay. Um, which non-capped or low-capped players will Schmidt bring with him to Australia? Also, which coaches like Raj and Felix Jones, etc. last oh, okay. summer? That's from mm. Niall Coleman. Good question. Mm. Um, so, if we're saying that, do you reckon you leave any at home? I think he'll leave a couple at home. Yeah, like I did, I, I, as much as um, we praise Rob Kearney, um, I actually did a bit where I kind of just, you know, like picked a team, like just a good team to play Australia. And mm. I, I think I put all the other senior guys in, but I left, I gave did Kearney you? a rest, yeah. Um, I'm trying said, to drop him again. And then I got grief for it. <laughs> but I was saying, like, I don't know, great player as well, but maybe he's someone that you could rest up and give someone like Jordan Larmer a, um, a go out there or someone, Con- Conway, who have ca- constantly been plugging all season and even though he's been injured but uh, someone like him maybe Rory Best as well like because uh, he is getting on that little bit and give this is a big chance then to give some of the hookers go but I definitely can see Murray and Sexton travelling to Australia and because they want to win that series as well as Kev spoke about there last week bring in new players but win the series too and mm. um, but that's a good one yeah young young guys I was thinking of uh, the likes of maybe like Alex Wooten who scored at the weekend mm. Um Sammy Ireland is in line yeah. for a, a start. I mm-hmm. mean, he's been he's been brought into camp. There's obviously there's something about him. I mean, again, he he moved down from Ulster he to get the time that mm. he's now getting. Um, yeah. I mean, Ian referred to and Keatley referred to him earlier on. Like he's he's playing brilliantly. Yeah, he really is. He's a lovely all round player. I could definitely see him getting a test start. Yeah, yeah, d- bringing him to travel as well. Um, the the Burns like the Ed Ed Byrne and Brian Byrne are always getting talked up by the Leinster lads Good as show. well like yeah. um, Jack O'Donoghue I know he's been capped a couple of times as well but um, lovely clear out at the weekend for Copeland's try like mm. and um, someone who could come in and do a job and they trust them as well so can see a few new faces I wonder yeah in the big talk again does does someone like Ian Keatley travel um, or did I go and give someone like you know a Ross Byrne a go or something like that so mm. maybe if Byrne steps up in the, these Champions Cup games and takes his chance or he has a chance but and then the coaching thing yeah maybe like does anybody new come in or Felix Jones travel again like I, I could see that happening again Like, does the audition continue for the 2019 backroom team yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you know Roger's only over the water down there oh yeah yeah, yeah. you could just pop over just for nip it. over 
Yeah. Can you keep the phone on? Yeah. Yeah. Keep the phone on. Yeah. Uh, would there's a good one. Uh, James McCluggage, would the best move for JJ Hanrahan be a move to Ulster? Would be a decent signing for both player and club. So there's a player now who we didn't mention with the summer tour. Like he's not yeah. in the mix. Yeah. And if you go back a few years, that would seem completely bonkers. Yeah. Such a talent. I know, like, and I think was he. I know he's nominated for under twenty player of the year. I think in that tournament when when he did so well for Ireland and and just again we're talking about teammates talking guys up. Like teammates love Hanrahan. Like they think he's a great player and suffered from going over to. I think when he went over to Northampton, he was kept behind Stephen Myler then mm. and, and couldn't get ahead of him. I think Myler's now leaving Northampton this mm. summer as well. Um, but I don't think it's time for him to move again. Um, as much as Ulster could could do with him. Um, you know, stick around there, and I still think that out half is the best position for him. Like, um, there's a lot depending on um, Tyler Blandell is having his injury troubles again. Yeah, uh, yeah. if he if he comes back um, properly, yeah. then JJ's in a long queue down yeah. the monster. If he doesn't come back, and don't get me wrong, that's not something I want. Mm-hmm. Um, then JJ's in a much shorter queue yeah. to get just time, time at ten. Um, but like, man, that you could you could stick that guy anywhere in a backline, and he'd be good. Yeah, so he'll still bring out these like moments of magic. Like yeah. you know, you, you even see like you know, you just see, um, yeah. If if he keeps playing, like you produce two or three great moments in every game, and and maybe it's a shoring up another side of his game, like that he has to kind of look after as well, or the tactical kicking as well. But um, yeah, as you said, game time will be the biggest thing for me. You'll see now, even maybe with. Someone like James Hart is getting a bit more of a run now that Duncan mm. Williams is injured and he's scored at the weekend. So if the, if these boys can get a chance of the next few months, it could do wonders for them. We could be talking them up again soon enough. Yeah. Um, okay. Last one. Mirren Foynes. What positives, if any, can Connacht take from this season so far? Uh, um, uh. <laughs> this season, ah, but like they they beat Munster. Earlier on this season, over in Galway, that was a good result. Um, Quinn Rue is now a Grand Slam champion. Um, they, that's okay. Yeah, they, and they have like they've signed. I think they've signed contract extensions like the Ronaldson and Keen Kelleher and stuff like that. And they've brought in, I think, an Australian out half for next season as well, a centre as well. So, um, as you said, hopefully they just can finish and just if they can somehow get into that Champions Cup for next season um, or go, go far in the Challenge Cup, like it might help. But they're just dropping a lot of. Like that, they're dropping a lot of games. That was disaster against um, Edinburgh yeah. at the weekend. They kind of Duncan Weir block down and score as well. And Credit to Edinburgh though. They oh. won in the last month and a half. They've beaten all four Ireland's provinces. Yeah. That's <laughs> savage. Well yeah. done, Cockers. Yeah, he's doing good. He is right. Um, yeah, I think that is it for this week. Make sure to use the hashtag AskTHY if you want to get a question in for next week. Thanks to Pat, Ian, Jim and Conrad, to Alan McNan for producing and Shane Dempsey was on sound. We'll be back next Monday with a new show. Subscribe to it on iTunes, Podcast Republic, SoundCloud and every good podcast app, including Spotify now, to get us straight to your phone. This has been The Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. Thank you for listening and we'll talk to you next week. The Hard Yards, brought to you by Sports Joe.